0: And now from inside Juno's hamburger phone, it's the IGN Digitized. Please welcome two men who promise there will be blood: Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. And uh, that uh, opening, I should point out, came from you. That's not listener supplied. Really? That was a Mark Kaiser original. So,
1: Bob, who wrote that? You did. How come Bob didn't record a... uh, You wrote that, Mark.
0: Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, uh, this is a a ginormous. By the way, the word ginormous, to my knowledge, that word has now entered the vernacular but did not exist prior to Elf. That was created for Elf, wasn't
1: it? Is that right?
0: I, I don't know. I never heard the word until Elf. Ginormous, ginormous. I always to like imongus. Yeah, I always thought ginormous was a creation for Elf. Maybe I'm wrong. If it, any of our listeners have heard, of I, look, that was the first time I ever heard it. Maybe it existed on playgrounds.
1: It, it sounds like something Will Ferrell would would say or make up or yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah, well, ginormous. Anyway. Uh, we have a ginormous pile of uh, classic and new releases this week. It, this is a big week. It's it's funny sometimes these weeks come in and you know you'll you'll get like titles like uh, you know documentary on fly fishing and and you know maybe a bunch of uh, TV shows from I 1960. I love fly fishing. And there's nothing. And then like the new movies will be just the worst. And uh, we got nothing to talk about. And we got to stretch. Got to stretch. This week more than we can handle. Uh, I left a lot of stuff out of the pile. A lot of new stuff coming out this week we're not going to have time to cover because of everything that we have to cover. So Mark,
1: I spent $350 on dinner for myself last week. Or you went you went to
0: a restaurant alone and you spent $350 on the saddest meal of your life.
1: No what? no no, 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 it was I went we, we went, I went with our friend Andrew.
0: Oh yeah, okay. And uh, I was going to say if you go somewhere and just like alone and I've drop, I've and drop $350 I've done I've done that. That I've is done a, that.
1: That's a very sad evening. I've done that, and I'll tell you why I did that. Keep it coming, keep it coming. No, 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 no. There's a, um, there's a famous. Are you sure, you want more cornbread at eight dollars a piece? No, no, no. That's keep it not coming. Exactly. Keep it coming. There's a, uh, what is that famous? Pre, uh, Guy Savoy. The Guy Savoy famous uh, French restaurant in Paris. Sure. Considered one of the best restaurants in the world. Sure. They opened one up in Las Vegas.
0: Oh well, run, don't walk.
1: Now, well, this is a few years ago. <laughs> now. My friends who go to Vegas with me, they're not, they're not dropping 350 bucks on dinner. No. Mark, he is. Yeah. He doesn't care. So I sat at the bar. It was at the, I think it was at the bar. Yeah. And I dropped $350 on dinner at Guy Savoy. Okay. That was one time. and Well, this time was because we, we went to Cut. Yeah. Cut is a Wolfgang Puck Steakhouse uh, that serves Wagyu beef. Now, Wagyu beef isn't just steak, Wade. This is very special steak.
0: It's steak with ragu sauce on it.
1: No. It's uh, Mama Celeste. It's um, <laughs> I used to love those pizzas. Ugh. Get the sausage one. Um, come on, it's like it's 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 latchkey kid food. Anyway, we're we're circling around. Anyway, yes. Wagyu beef. If you don't know this, it originated, I believe, in Japan. And the, what makes it great is that the way the uh the way the beef the way the cow is raised.
0: All that stuff originates in Japan: Wagyu beef, Kobe beef, Jidori the, chicken. They just they take animals and they do weird things to them. The and cow
1: is he's he. The cow is actually like. And then a basic. samurai
0: comes in and so they like pour milk and, and soy sauce and beer. beer on them. And then a samurai comes in and slaughters the thing with Wagyu a Wagyu beef is beer with a, like a, some kind of a special holy sword, and, and they sell it here for eight hundred dollars a pound.
1: Uh, it was about sixty bucks an ounce. Yeah, there you go. It's insane. So I I spent three fifty. It's still a cow. I well. I, the 350 wasn't all the cow. There was an if, appetizer. Like, if it was wagyu beef, not a
0: cow, but special beef cut from some weird alien that all, of which we only have one because it was at Area 51 and it, it's starting <laughs> to disintegrate. Fine, charge me sixty dollars an ounce. But seriously, come on.
1: Uh, well, I, again, it wasn't just the beef. By, by the way, the way here's the thing with the wagyu beef: why it's so good. Is because it is, uh, it is b- very beautifully marbled. Yes. Like the fat is just thinly strewn throughout you're, you're the cut. You're talking to somebody
0: who doesn't even eat any kind of beef. So. so what happens
1: is when they make it, when they cook it, mm-hmm. the fat melts into the rest of the meat, and it makes it taste so rich.
0: Right now, our entire vegan audience is unsubscribing.
1: Hey, man, what can I say? I love it. All right. Shall we get into DVDs? No. Yes, I think we should. I want Wagyu beef.
0: That's fine. Great. You know, here, here's what we're going to start off with. Uh, the Miramax library has been in limbo for years. Everybody knows that. The Miramax films, all those classic Miramax films that you you love so much, have not been available on Blu-ray for the longest time, and many of them not available on DVD. They, have, uh, they were basically when Disney killed Miramax as an entity and stopped putting its titles onto DVD. The Miramax library went up for sale. There were a lot of bidders, uh, and Ron Tudor, the billionaire, the market billionaire, finally wound up being the winning bidder and um, over the last few months has brought a few other people on, cut a deal with the Weinstein Company to do sequels to certain films, hopefully putting the Weinsteins at rest with their ambitions to get hold of the Miramax Library again. Anyway, bottom line, all those old classics are now being re-released through various DVD distributors. Now, the major, major titles are you know stuff like Shakespeare in Love and uh, English Patient. Presumably all that kind of stuff is going to be released through Lionsgate. But... A big chunk of the library was licensed out to uh, Echo Bridge. Now, Echo Bridge uh, is is a real rock-solid distributor. They generally do a lot of straight-to-video stuff. Uh, they have a lot of huge output deals. But um, they got a chunk of the library, of which I'm going to roll through right now.
1: God, I, I was wondering where that
0: was going. That, this is where it's going. I'm just kind of giving everybody a little historical business background on wow, what's rolling out here. Very good. Now, we got, we got some Blu-rays. We have some Miramax Blu-rays. Bloody hell, finally, Miramax Blu-rays, Mark. Can you believe it?
1: Well, you know what? Only if the transfers are good weight, and you're about to tell us if they are.
0: I sure am. Uh, the transfers are okay. I'll be honest with you. The transfers are okay. Um, but you know what? They're better than they would have been uh, if they, you know, they just kind of. I mean, it's probably. Look, they, they have the masters, they have the HD masters, and they have created perfectly acceptable Blu rays of them. But these films I'm going to talk about are not, like, highly in demand. So I'm going to say they're probably on par with your average you know, Fox catalog title, your average Universal catalog title. They're, I think They're, so. they're on I, par. I think you're right. Uh, the Crow, City of Angels, which was the sequel to The Crow. Uh, this is the one with Vincent Perez taking over the role that uh, basically killed Brandon Lee. And uh, it's not a great film. It, it's okay. you know. It, it's, uh, it's more for people who are really cultish fans of it. Uh, that's on Blu-ray. It's a little bit chalky but otherwise acceptable. And then uh, Robert Rodriguez's *Dusk* from *Dusk Till Dawn* and *From Dusk Till Dawn 2: Texas Blood Money* are out in a double feature. A number of these films are actually uh, Blu-ray double features, and I think I had never even heard of *Dusk Till Dawn 2: Texas Blood Money*, uh, and uh, it is for good reason because Robert Rodriguez had nothing to do with it. It was, I mean, you know, executive produced it, but uh, I
1: like *Dusk Till Dawn*. I do. You know, I Dust like till, Robert Rodriguez. I do. I, I know. I kind of want to hate him, but I
0: Sc- do. Scott Spiegel uh, directed the sequel, which is not worth looking at. By the way, no extras on here. Don't even, don't even think about it. Uh, D- Dust of Dawn, pretty decent transfer, actually. I gotta say, that's the say it's reason. a good
1: movie. Say it's a good movie. You know what?
0: I like a lot of it. I really do. I mean, I'm not a Robert Rodriguez fan. I hate his ego, and, and I hate a lot of his <laughs> films. I think he makes a lot of crap. But look, hey, I, you know, uh, D- uh, Dark City, Dark City, no, not Dark City. Dark uh, City was Sin City. Sin, Sin City. Sin City. Sin City, The Crow, Alex Proyas, Dark City. You see where my head's going? Yeah. No, Sin City I thought was terrific. I actually like Sin City. Uh, Dust till Dawn I think is fine until it becomes a vampire movie. I, I really liked it until that point, and I could tell that Tarantino's script was like, a, "Geez, I got to this point. Where do I go? I know vampires. Nobody will see that coming." And he, just he was ahead his, of his time. It was with weird. The vampires. It was just wrong. I mean, you know, it just it, it got weird. Uh, also, Texas Rangers is out now. This is uh, baseball team. No, this is this is a kind the James of a, Vanderbeek film? That's the one. Lame. <laughs> yeah, Steve Miner who's really lab- Steve Miner's a really workmanlike guy and he's he's kind of been in the in the trenches for a long time with uh, all kinds of genres and he he does a workmanlike job with this but it's not great. Um the only good thing about this are the old guys Tom Skerritt and Alfred Molina are pretty terrific in this. But uh otherwise James Vanderbeek not an anchor to a movie. Ashton Kutcher, why? And uh, you know and uh Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. Dylan McDermott kind of walks through it. Um, That's on Blu-ray. Decent Blu-ray. Then we have, and we're going to talk about more Jackie Chan movies later because there's a bunch of them that are back on DVD that you should get. This is Supercop yeah. on Blu-ray. Now, i got to tell you. I uh, you love Supercop. I love Supercop. I'm not a fan of the Miramax cut of Supercop because they took the original Hong Kong cut and they tweaked with it in ways that I find deeply, deeply disturbing.
1: Well, there was a Dragon Dynasty release of Supercop.
0: Let me just say, this is dubbed in English. So if you really want the original Supercop, you're going to have to get an import. They have still not delivered what they need to deliver for the Jackie Chan films. Uh, and I don't see this changing anytime soon. So any real fan of Supercop, even though this is a, an okay Blu-ray transfer, go and get yourself a Hong Kong import with uh, the original uh, Cantonese dialogue. That's Field the, catalog. On, the only way you're going to get the film uh, the way it's meant to be seen. Uh, the Yards by uh, our good friend James Gray. Uh, terrific film. This is a terrific film. It really is. It's uh, James Gray. You know, he he just does these really dark, heavy, brooding New York uh, crime films extremely well. Even though I think Two Lovers is uh, his best film, and that's not a crime film at all. But uh, this is really good. The Yards is sharp, and uh, he co-wrote it with our other good friend Matt Reeves. And uh, we are totally biased, but we're going to go and uh, give this big plug.
1: I, I I would give you know even better than this. I, I think Two Lovers was one of the not best films of that year but yeah. one of the second tier best films of that year. I agree. Uh, I agree. Uh, two levels.
0: The only the only thing that I wish we had on here, I just wish we had uh, James Reid commentary. I do. I wish there were there were there were a chunk of extras on here because it's a, it's a good film and worth talking about. And I remember I talked to James at one point, uh, I forget what junket it was for, I guess it must have been Little Odessa, but he was writing the yards at the time. And he was completely uh, just flustered, and he said, I, you know, I'm 180 pages in, and he was like, you know, really in it, as writers often are. And, uh, you know, he and Matt got together, and they worked it out.
1: Now, wait, hang on a second. Yeah. Stop. Hmm. So you were on a junket. Yes. For which film?
0: I think it was the – I guess it was Little Odessa. It would Little have Odessa. to have been because The Yards was his next film.
1: So you've known you, – you by that point, you had known James for X number of years.
0: Here, let me let me tell you. You let walk me. into a junket
1: with your yes. friend. Yes. Interview your friend, not like one of those journalist actors, like chummy, chummy sort of friends, not really friends, like your friend. Yeah. So how does that I mean, go? I
0: don't you? see him except once every few years, so it's it's it was fine, it was good. All right, fine. No, you know, here here here's the the ultimate trivia. You know how you know when I met James Gray? James was at USC Film School, where Matt was. That's where they know each other. But uh, I met James through remember Brian Burke, the executive producer of uh, Super Eight. Yes. Yes, right. Current. Who? Okay. Who I known since he was a kid well brian burke was at usc film school as well and i was helping brian with one of his student films which is kind of a halloween night thing bunch of kids mischievous on halloween we're getting set up james was a cinematographer oh really yeah so we all met on brian's film there we go um okay here are the rest I, i didn't
1: realize that brian so that means that james knows jj
0: yes wow yes they're all in the mix and our friend ray green they're all in the same mix and stephen summers who directed the mummy Yes. Okay, moving on. Miramax. And then there's Wade. Here's the rest of these Miramax titles we're going to blow through quickly because we, we have unbelievable stuff we got to go through today. It's tons. Oh, we got a giveaway, too, by the way.
1: You didn't tell me that. I
0: know. I forgot to tell you about that. We have a giveaway. It's a good giveaway. What is it? Uh, it's got something to do with the Irish. Yeah. Wink, wink. We'll get around to the film. We'll talk about it. Some of the lovely publicists gave us a great chance at the giveaway. Uh, Sirens with uh, Hugh Grant. Tara Fitzgerald and a frigging gorgeous Elle McPherson. If you have not seen Sirens, uh, this is really a lovely Merrimax film. I wish this one were on Blu ray, but it's not, uh, yet at least. But this was written and directed by John Dygan.
1: Whatever happened to John Dygan? He did, directed uh, not Waking the Divine, uh, the other thing. Who is that, uh, John Dygan? Who's the guy? What's his he's name? Done, he's done a
0: ton of great films, John but he's done Digan. like nothing lately. Anyway, John Dygan is a, is a terrific director. This is a lovely film, uh, great British. Uh, Period comedy, uh, with Hugh Grant as the uh, as kind of a you know a reverend who needs to you know unbutton it a little bit, literally and figuratively.
1: Uh, and uh, my sa- voice broke. He did that. Oh yes. And flirting. And flirting. And wide sargasso sea. Yes, he which did I those. didn't care much. For anyway, Sam Neill
0: is the scandalous uh, painter, and there are lots of naked bodies in this movie. It'll make you want to be naked. <laughs> that's all I'll say. Uh,
1: in, in that case, if that's the don't see it in a theater.
0: Here, this is really interesting. I saw The Hole at uh, the American Film Market, and it never got released theatrically. This thing never got a uh, domestic uh, deal. And Nick Hamm directed this. Uh, it's based on a novel called After the Hole and a screenplay by Ben Court and Carolyn Ip. Um, basically, this is a kind of an interesting thriller with a bunch of kids who uh, – kind of go off on... They, they, they're they supposed to... Well, they ditch school, and they go into this bomb shelter, and something happens, and they get trapped in there. And there's a couple of interesting twists here. It's one of those films that tries to take a claustrophobic situation and turn it on its ear, and it's it, it pretty much does a good job of it. Really good Clint Mansell score here, uh, one of his earlier scores before he started doing stuff like, uh, you know, all of that... Uh, you know? I'm not helping you out. Sure you are. All, all the stuff that he does for, uh, what's his name?
1: Uh, he like, did, well, first of all, he did Black Swan.
0: Yes, I, I'm saying director. Oh, the Ar- Aronofsky. All the Aronofsky stuff, yeah. He does all the Aronofsky stuff. So this is very interesting. This is kind of almost pre-Aronofsky, but a really good Clint Menzel score. The thing that's weird about this is it's basically a Thora Birch movie. Thora Birch putting on a spot-on, excellent British accent – and yet the way they're marketing it is like a Kira Knightley movie, even though Kira Knightley is really, uh, you know, not the star. It's Thora Birch who was the star. Kira Knightley was nobody at the time. But look at that. Her face plastered right on the front.
1: Well, because they thought marketing. Uh, it's marketing. That's it. Look, do you remember when, like, Russell Crowe hit it big? Suddenly all these little tiny films sure that Russell Crowe did in Australia just yep. starts coming out. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. They're yeah. The worst.
0: Uh, Jerry. Oh, my gosh. What a horrible movie this is. Uh, anyway, if you like it, it's back out on uh, on DVD. This is Gus Van Sant's movie uh, in which Matt Damon and Casey Affleck wander around the desert and just walk endlessly and do nothing. It is just so agonizing.
1: Did you ever see this? Uh, I did. Oh my gosh! It's uh, and it they is... wrote
0: it too, all three of them. It's like they wrote it while they were making it. They wrote yeah. it while they were wandering around. You know, well, daily diary. Well, Van walk to a rock today. San-
1: well, Van Sant, as you know, is in the, is in this crazy mode in his career where yeah. he just does these sorts of movies.
0: I'm going to rave about this film because I think it's terrific. It never got its fair shot. This is heaven with Kate Blanchett and Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, this is the um, this is one of a trilogy of films of screenplays. Well, actually, let me back up. When Christoph Kieslowski died, he had another trilogy on the uh, on the burner. Remember, he did uh, red white, red uh, white and blue, blue, and or blue white and red, and uh, the Decalogue, and you know, Double Life of Veronique. And when he died, he had another trilogy on the burner, which was uh, heaven, hell, and purgatory and uh, Heaven was the first of that. I, as I understand it, he had a completed screenplay for Heaven that he'd done with Christoph Peshowitz, with whom he wrote all the other films. And uh, Tom Tickford, the amazing Run, Lola, Run director who's done tons of other great films, Perfume.
1: Perfume and uh, the, 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 the the second th- one, the, the Sword and the Sorcerer, The, uh, the Princess and Oh, The, the Princess uh, and the Warrior. Which I like too. Oh, it's awesome. He's the best.
0: He is so great. So he directed this, and this thing got ripped, and I just think it is so unbelievably cool. It's such a smart film. Um... You know, the, I mean, Kate Blanchett is this, uh, this American living in Italy who uh, winds up being—I'm not going to give too much away, but she winds up a, at the wrong end of the law. And Giovanni Rabisi is a police officer who decides to side with her. And uh, philosophically, it's such an intriguing film. The second uh, in the trilogy, which I think Peshowitz scripted by himself without Kislowski, obviously they only had the idea at the time Kislowski died—Hell— was made and it has not been released here, and I don't think it ever will because it got ripped to shreds. It was directed by the um, the, uh, the Serbian director who won the Oscar for that thing in the trench. Remember? Remember that? That was the Oscar? I do. It was, yeah. uh, I can't remember
1: the name of the movie. I'm drawing a blank on it. Exactly.
0: Anyway, i got to move on. But a Purgatory nobody's made yet, and uh, I hope they do. Darn it. Uh, Al Pacino in uh, Two Bits. This uh, is old. This, this, is is old b- this is old Pacino. This is old Pacino. This is directed this, by James Foley.
1: Well, because James Foley directed uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, but th- yeah. th- this is before uh, Pacino went full retard yeah. in terms of his performances. Mm-hmm. He was still almost—he was still—he was still almost on Earth.
0: Yeah, uh, this is—you know—this is back out on DVD again, part of the Miramax Library. Uh, I don't know why this thing was rated PG-13, but there it is. James Foley, uh, a guy who hasn't done much lately. It's
1: good. The movie not bad. It, it takes place in in, in the '30s in I, the South Philly. It's good.
0: I remember James Foley how nervous he was. Uh, I was an usher at the Man's National, and his first film, uh, uh, Reckless, with um, Aidan Quinn and Daryl Hanna, right. opened at the National. He was just out of USC film school. He was roaming around. I remember standing there in the lobby just talking to him day after day that opening weekend. He was so freaking nervous about how that film was going to perform. It was, oh, so, it was so amusing. Well,
1: but the thing is that he's done nothing Since. recently. It's I know. Not it's sad. He's him. a good director. He I really know.
0: is. Uh, She's So Lovely. Jeez, what a misfire this is. If you love Sean Penn, John Travolta, and Robin Wright, and uh, you want to get a gander at this, go for it. But Nick Cassavetes, man, that apple fell far from the tree.
1: Uh, I'm but sorry. But he was in Hangover 2. By the way, for people who don't know, Nick Cassavetes, who directed She's So Lovely, yeah. is in Hangover 2. Oh, is he? He plays, the, uh, he plays the tattoo artist who shows up for one scene. Uh, look,
0: he took his dad's script... John Cassavetes' script, and just, I don't know, he mangled it, man. Uh, you know, I, if I were John Cassavetes, I'd haunt my son until the end of time. Because
1: there's only one person who can make a John Cassavetes-type film, and that's yeah, John Cassavetes. Exactly. Pierce Brosnan and
0: Robinson Crusoe. Uh, what do you what do you want? It's uh, Pierce Brosnan and Robinson Crusoe. Uh, you know, I, it's it doesn't really work. He's Pierce Brosnan. He always looks like Pierce Brosnan. But it, uh, it gives a, you know, I guess it's a different spin on the old Defoe novel, but it's not one of my favorite films. Um, also back out Rabbit Proof Fence Ooh,
1: I love this movie this is a terrific film this is uh,
0: Philip Noyce he made this back to back with the um, the ugly American no the uh, the quiet American. American that's it he made them back-to-back. He was editing both films at the same time, which is incredible. I think they're both terrific films in very different ways, and uh, this gets into part of the uglier history of Australia's relationship with uh, its aboriginals, and, uh, man, Kenneth Branagh is just vicious in this, and you will love these kids. You just want to adopt them. They're I agree. Beautiful. It's a great film. Uh, now we get into some other Jackie Chan stuff. Twin Dragons, one well, of By the my-
1: way, I want to remind people. What? These are DVDs, these not Blu-rays. These are DVDs, Blu-rays. not Blu-rays. That's Rather right. I talked about a handful. Robinson Crusoe, She's So Lovely, this this rich, is just, Jerry, The Hole.
0: These are Miramax title, uh, library titles that are back out on DVD after years of being unavailable. They are out from Echo Bridge through the Miramax output deal, and uh, go get yourself some. Um... This is uh, Twin Dragons, the uh, terrific Jackie Chan film, although I have to say once again, get yourself the import. I cannot recommend this one. I really can't. It's co-directed by Choi Huck and Ringo Lam. It has some of the funniest stuff you will ever see in a Jackie Chan film. This was actually kind of a benefit film for the uh, Directors Guild in Hong Kong, so all kinds of cameos show up. Not that anybody here is necessarily going to recognize them, but a lot of great cameos here. And uh, the hot tub scene is a classic, but I would recommend only the import.
1: So, so the funny thing is that Miramax... They understand the coolness of these Jackie Chan Hong Kong films. Yes. They understand them enough to get them over here. But in getting them over here, they destroy them.
0: Because they don't trust the core Hong Kong fan audience to be enough.
1: Well, it's, so it's they not just, enough. Uh,
0: yeah, but then they wind up alienating that audience, and they have something that not many people want to see. Uh, Then there is uh, Operation Condor and uh, Operation Condor 2, The Armor of God, which in their original Hong Kong incarnations are simply known as Armor of God and Armor of God 2, Operation Condor. I don't know why they felt they had to twist it up. but anyway, Why? Because
1: if you can release a film in America, you cannot have the name God in it.
0: I guess. Operation
1: Condor sounds way more, you know, thrillery. Well, Action
0: movie-ish. Fine. Only the second one is actually the Operation Condor, but that's fine. This is Jackie Chan being a secret agent. These films are great, both of them. I think the second one is better than the first. Uh, again, I would recommend the, the. Jackie directed both of these, by the way. I would recommend uh, the imports ahead of these, but if this is all you got and you got to rent something, fine, might as well. Uh, the action is terrific, the fighting's terrific, uh, uh, chase scenes are unbelievable. A little bit like uh, James Bond film meets uh, Indiana Jones, basically, what's going on there. Terrific. Uh, rolling along, the efficiency expert with Anthony Hopkins. This is digging deep as well. This is another old one. Uh, Mark Joffe directed this, and uh, it's pretty good, actually. It's got a a Russell Crowe in it who is so young, he he is almost uh, prenatal. (laughs) He he really is. It's it's kind of freaky. He plays
1: Anthony Hopkins' great,
0: great grandson. You look at him and you just go, oh, my gosh, really? What are you, 10? Uh, it's kind of freaky, and Tony Collette's wonderful in this.
1: It's uh, you know, it's, it's it's an Australian film.
0: It's an Australian film, yeah. It's a, about a you know a moccasin in the 60s. a moccasin factory, and uh, it's pretty it's pretty it's you know it's smart and witty and and crackling. Just two more, two more. We've got uh, Gary Sinise, Madeline Stone, Vincent D'Onofrio in uh, Imposter, director's cut. Uh, Mackay Pfeiffer is also in this, although not enough actually, and this was directed by Gary Fleeter. Who did kiss the girls and, and he, uh, things, and he, things he, to he do died in Denver? Gary Fleeter didn't I mean,
1: die. I mean, he his career. died. Oh, did. his
0: career died. Yeah, I was going to say Gary really because he's another one from that SC bunch. You know, I know. that same class of SC. He's done brands. a bunch of
1: TV, like Life Unexpected and yeah. Life on Mars, but it just it just didn't happen.
0: Well, this is not one of his best. Uh, things to do in Denver while you're dead, I think, is is about as good as it got for him for a while. But um, you know, this is okay. It's uh, it's a sci-fi film, and it's kind of. It's like low rent. Um, Phil K Dick is what it is. Uh, you know, eh? If you like the cast, I, I guess it's okay. And then Fresh is uh, is a terrific film. Did it's you Fresh. See? Fresh is really a good film. Boaz Yakin, who's from the, uh, he's he's kind of he's Boaz Yakin is the guy who introduced Bender to Tarantino, I believe.
1: Oh, is that right?
0: Yeah. Anyway, Lawrence. Bender... is
1: filled with uh, trivia? I am just today.
0: busting with trivia today. Anyway, uh, Lawrence Bender was a producer on this. Obviously. And uh, Boaz Yakin, who had written The Rookie previously, the uh, Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen thing, uh, he, he just came out of studio hell and made himself a great little indie movie here.
1: Well, course, look, the, the movie's about a 12-year-old drug dealer. There's, yeah. there's no way that a studio is going to greenlight True. A movie about a twelve-year-old. But it's you, you've really good. You got to write it yourself. You got to try to make it yourself.
0: Sam Jackson, Giancarlo Esposito, uh, and Busher Wright. Uh, it, it's a really, really good cast. Great music by Stuart Copeland. Uh, a terrific little film. This was at Cannes back in '92 or '93 when I was there, and got a really good reception. And it's still a really strong film. So and all you... that, all that stuff, folks, is back on DVD. It was. It's been gone forever, and it is back. So celebrate. Go out and uh, get yourself some.
1: So. Why do you talk about all those films? Yes, and then you expect me to talk about the Secret Life of the American Teenager because
0: you love teenagers.
1: <laughs> I, I used to be a teenager. Yeah. This
0: is volume six. I know, right? How is that possible? I don't know. I don't know.
1: How did these shows last this? How do these shows? I last have so no long?
0: idea. I, I have no clue. But you know, you know, it's my, on. I'm parched right now. I've done all, as much talking as I can do for the next uh, two minutes.
1: Then I'll talk very slowly. Do that to allow yourself to resalivate. Oh, this is just a terrible show. It's, uh, you know, it's it, there's been a uh, spate of these uh, teenager shows, like uh, reality shows like 16 and Pregnant mm-hmm. on TV and this show here. And, uh, you know, it's lasted long enough. I guess people seem to like it. It's with Molly Ringwald, and uh, at least she's getting work. And, uh, you know, it's about... Uh, uh Wait! Don't make me talk about this.
0: Okay, fine. Hey, hand it to me here. I'll, on, I'll get it off my hands. I'm sorry. Yeah, Volume Six. I mean, what do you want? It's you know, Super Life t- American t- t- teenager. I'd,
1: re- I'd rather talk about this. Captain Planet <laughs> and the Planeteers. Okay, we'll
0: do it. Go ahead. You're a big fan of Captain Planet. <laughs> I he made, was. He
1: made you green. Well,
0: what did he Didn't do? He? Didn't he make you want to conserve paper and no. uh, not waste water when All, you were a kid? Uh, although that great. was the whole point. Ted Turner created uh, Captain Planet and the Planeteers so that he would teach children how not to, how to be green and eco conscious. And, and what's
1: funny is that is that the uh, is, is is that the DVD cover. Is made out of fur And elephant ivory tusks <laughs> And I don't understand How he could do that When the show is about Okay uh, Actually the That um, would have been
0: awesome <laughs> Seriously That would have been So awesome
1: uh, The uh, The DVD like co- Ivory
0: the, and ocelot fur <laughs>
1: The DVD is actually, uh, it's actually, uh, there's no plastic in this. Uh, packaging. No, none oh, whatsoever. Plastic. No. no, this is a show with really bad animation, uh, Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Uh, bonus features include uh, sort of this weird little story of Captain Planet, kind of a backstory of him, some concept art, and uh, it's just not good. I don't like these shows. I don't like the animation. It's very filmation looking. You know
0: what else is filmation liked, looking? Nobody
1: liked, film- nobody liked filmation less than I did. By
0: the way, I remember when Can- Captain Planet uh, debuted. I saw it one Sunday morning for about five minutes, and I went, "This is lame," and I didn't watch it again. Uh, Challenge of the Gobots is also really filmation looking. This is the original mini animated mini series, which is another one of those horrible Hanna Barbera attempts at doing Japanese giant robot style anime. And, uh, and well, it's it's out from the Hanna Barbera Classic Collection, but. Uh, Boy, this is – I mean it's from that kind of golden era of like Space Ghost and all the rest of that stuff. But I don't know. Um, it just doesn't age very well. But uh, there it is. If you if you really are a fan all of this – Oh those terrible. Come all, on. All, Who, who's going to buy that? All 110 whopping minutes of it. You know
1: it? what? I guarantee about 110 copies of that were shipped to retailers Yeah, because that's about as many as they can imagine buying that. Probably true. That i would talked about that already. Okay, yeah. next is um, a uh, DVD re-release. This is from 1987. This is The Jetsons Meet the Flintstones. Now oh, that's so sweet. Now this is.
0: Uh, I waited for this for years. I was like, when are terrible. we just going to bridge time and put these two families together? Because they belong together.
1: Elroy did, did, did invent the time machine, and, and then they, they meet. You know, this is this is one of those like crossover things, like you know, Batman it. meets Spider-Man, and yeah. those crossovers. They, they're it. never that good.
0: Oh, they're so. This good. is like, terrible. Like Simon and Simon meeting Magnum PI.
1: <laughs> you know, was. Seth MacFarlane's doing a new uh, Flintstones. Is he really?
0: Yes, he is. Seth MacFarlane. Why?
1: Yeah, I. The
0: original isn't enough.
1: Well, but Seth MacFarlane is a very, uh, he's a very unique and hilarious cartoon.
0: Well, as uh, long as, as long as if we can resurrect Kazoo and uh, Superstone, uh, I'll be happy. That's all I want: Kazoo and Superstone.
1: See it down, do it down. Now wait, there's a movie coming out in a couple days. Mm -hmm. It's called Green Lantern. And uh, so DC Universe, uh, with DC and Warner Brothers, they come out with all these crazy DC uh, character uh, animated uh, uh, DVDs, like they've done Superman and Batman. A lot of them. Yeah. Now they have uh, Green Lantern, Emerald Knights. This is now. Here's the thing, wait. If the if the animation was based on this cover, I know I'd be interested in watching it. I agree. The animation is actually not... <laughs> based on the back cover, <laughs> I and I don't want to see that animation. That's lame.
0: It is lame. I, uh... I
1: just I you know what I, I just feel like I want these animated things to try more. I, I, d- I agree with you. I agree with you. Either be very, either be very stylish, very stylistic, yeah, very noirish or very dark or whatever, or be very, very like realistic animation.
0: I'm with you, but, but don't
1: don't don't give me lame animation.
0: Just know we are in for a lot of Green Lantern, X-Men, and uh, Captain America stuff in the next little while.
1: You know what? Here's the thing. I I, I will say this. Here's the thing. X Men, good. It tricky, was good. It was movie. good. I, yep.
0: I, I I finally wound up seeing it, and uh, it's good. It is good. It's really good.
1: Um, Captain America. I'm slowly warming up to. I was. I didn't care. I'm but warm now I'm to it.
0: I'm warm to it because they they have gone back to World War II, which they needed to. I was afraid they would try to make it a modern thing, and he's such an artifact of World War II. Uh, he's but then, so- how
1: will Captain America wind up in the Avengers movie? Exactly. Ooh.
0: Yes. Interesting. Intriguing, right? Well, not really. No, maybe not. Okay. (laughs) So we covered, anyway, we covered the uh, secret life of the American teenager because Mark went into excruciating detail about how he loves his show. Look, bottom line is this show is coming back on the ABC Family Channel, uh, and, uh, you know, they they release these things by and large to kind of bolster the new seasons. Um, Wait, no, wait, put
1: that down. By the way, I, I bought an iPad, I tell you. that.
0: Yeah, you did. You sure did.
1: I love my opinion. You
0: know what? Let's get into our uh, – we're halfway through the show. I want to talk about this film and our giveaway. Okay? Oh, yes. It's a giveaway. We got a giveaway. Oh, and by the way, uh, we do have a, um, a uh, Lister Mail thing here that I, I wanted to read. Uh, someone said, wrote in just to say, in regards to Mark describing the big mucky muck who took over Jerry Seinfeld's New York Mets box, it was none other than Lady Gaga last June. And uh, they, they give us a quote. This is from uh, Peter Cazores. I hope I didn't mutilate his name. He uh, quotes the MSNBC article regarding the incident where <laughs> they quote Seinfeld saying, you know, I changed my mind. I hate her. I can't believe they put her in my box that I paid for. You give people the finger and you get upgraded. Is that the world we're living in right
1: now? You see, but he's right. Yeah. When he comes from a generation, and to a lesser extent we do, where in order to uh, actually earn things in life, yeah, you had to have talent. True. You can. Uh, you don't just. You couldn't just be a self-promoter. Now, the only I've only heard two Lady Gaga songs that I know of, and the only reason why I can get behind Lady Gaga, not that I like those two songs, right, is that she plays piano. I. I so I, I so think, at least she can do something.
0: I think she's enormously talented. I really do. Really? I think she's very, very talented.
1: I. Yeah. I've heard two songs. Yep. And anyway. And uh, whatever.
0: Uh, Mark, did you see Kill the
1: Irishman? Uh, it killed. Did you see it? No. You missed a good one. You really
0: really did. Uh, This is a sharp crime film. And i got to tell you, uh, Christopher Walken, really, uh, the guy just gets freaking better and better and better with time. Uh, This is a terrific crime film. And we're saying that totally biased because we are doing a uh, a giveaway. This is directed by uh, Jonathan Hensley. who does a great job with it. This includes a documentary on the actual guy, Danny Green, called Danny Green, The Rise and Fall of the Irishman. And... um, what this is, this is about a guy named Danny Green who was this just kind of a nobody and then he became a major mob enforcement guy. And uh, Christopher Walken plays the, um, the Lone shark who's kind of on the, uh, well, I won't, tell, I won't give you too many details. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is also in this as a, as a, um, as a, as a real bad guy. And uh, Ray Stevenson is terrific as uh, as Green. He is really, really good. Uh, Ray Stevenson is just, you may never have heard of the guy, but man, is he a terrific actor. He totally holds his own with uh, D'Onofrio and Christopher Walken, and then, of course, you get uh, Mel Kilmer, who's kind of along for the ride because he'll do anything. But uh, what, a, what a terrific film. Uh, is this kind of the film that I, I had wanted out of things like... Uh, uh, Donnie Brasco you know like Donnie Brasco didn't give me the feel that I wanted this film to give me this is on Blu-ray and on DVD and uh, I go for the Blu-ray man Anchor Bay did a great job it's sharp but gritty which is always the tough thing to do and uh, I love the fact it's also got Linda Cardellini in it who I always like.
1: I like her. She's cute. She's
0: she's cute, but she's like a chameleon, too. I met her. She's like, who
1: is this guy? Go out with me.
0: We really, really dig this film and uh, highly recommended. Uh, And we're going to give away five Blu-rays. Not DVDs, but Blu-rays. We're giving away five Kill the Irishman Blu-rays. So this is what we want you to do. Send us an email and uh, put Irish in the subject. Just Irish. Not weird spellings or anything. Just I-R-I-S-H. That way we'll, uh, we'll filter it correctly. And uh, make sure that we get them um, no later than Friday of this week. That is, uh, that's going to be Friday the 17th, Friday, June 17th. As long as they are t- uh, time-stamped Friday, June 17th, we're going to be good to go. And um, we're going to give away five Blu-rays. We'll just choose the names randomly. We're going to do a random choice. And uh, five of our listeners are going to win a Blu-ray of Kill the Irishman, courtesy of the good people at Anchor Bay. So. This is going to be terrific. Uh, you're going to really enjoy it. Great crime film. Anybody who loves crime films will not be disappointed by this one. This is uh, And Christopher Walken. How do you go wrong with Christopher Walken? All right. We're going to uh, roll through some other uh, classic films right now, and then we're going to uh, wrap up with some more TV and some new films. And um, we're going to start with the... Uh, 20th Century Fox and MGM release of Some Like It Hot on Blu-ray, which is, has been long overdue. This should have been one of the first Blu-rays released. This is such a fantastic film. Uh, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous black and white photography. Billy Wilder, classic writing with uh, Izzy Diamond.
1: Uh, just, You a, realize why Some Like It Hot isn't black and white? There's a reason for that. Why is that? He could have shot it in color. Billy Wilder was afraid that uh, if he shot it in color, it would be too obvious that, that they're really women. Oh, that's, I mean, they're really men. That's
0: great. Really?
1: I mean, you, in watching it, you, you would feel as if the people in the movie wouldn't believe That's pretty smart. that Lemon and Curtis were That's actually men. So he decided to shoot them black That's and pretty white.
0: smart. Well, it is, look, it's not a brilliant Blu-ray. They didn't, go, they didn't knock it out of the park the way that I had really hoped they would. But it's, it's, a, it's solid. And, uh, you know, gosh, it's a funny movie. It is just such a funny movie. It's just, you know, and you've you got to watch it on as big a screen as possible because there are details in this. That you just can't enjoy when you watch it small. It is really a big movie. It should be seen projected ideally.
1: Although I, I, you're right, you know what it it has a sort of, uh, has kind of a catalog title feel to it. It really should have been
0: should have been blown out, blown out big, yeah. And I kind of feel the same way about Lolita. I'm sad to say. I, uh, I I love Lolita. Two and a half hours of sheer Stanley Kubrick bliss. Um, but I don't feel like Warner's really – you know, they, they went and sent us the remaining two titles that had never been released before from the new uh, Kubrick collection. Look, is it good? Fine. Absolutely. I'm still going to recommend the Kubrick collection in its entirety because the other Blu-rays of 2001 and Full Metal Jacket, they're all terrific.
1: Although, you know what? Eyes
0: Wide Shut. Spartacus is in that even, that's not a, even though it's not a Warner title uh, and Strange uh, Love even though it's a Columbia title. That's so. true.
1: Although there's one thing about that Kubrick mm. box set that really, really made me angry, mm. the packaging.
0: The yeah. packaging
1: is very, very tight. It's like a little tight book. Yeah. And in order to get each disc out of its little sleeve, you have to dig your hands into the sleeve and yep. pull the DVD out. Which means that you are getting finger. You have no choice but to get fingerprints all over those yeah. discs because you have Lame. to dig them out of the dig them out of the sleeve. It's, it. it's so tightly packed. That sucks. And by the way, wait. You really you realize that that's the reason why I bought this. What'd you buy? I bought this.
0: Oh, you 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 bought a little. Uh, it's like
1: an eyeglass. It's, it's 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 like an eyeglass cleaner. A it's little like a kind light-
0: of a lint-free uh, yeah. microfiber deal to I, pull uh, DVDs out of the Kubrick. I case.
1: was so. Well, God, that makes you sound <laughs> pathetic. I <laughs> was I, okay. Two things, maybe buy this.
0: I'm going to tell you how I'm even more pathetic. Two at things, maybe buy this. Ahead.
1: One is I bought an iPad and I, I want to keep the screen clean. But also, I, I get the Kubrick set. I'm so excited. I open it up. Great packaging really tight and i'm am noticing that the way they pack the dVDs into the into the little sleeves you, you you can't get your fingers in there you've got to literally dig your fingers into the sleeve and pull it out and when I pulled out two thousand and one it had fingerprints everywhere and I got really I got really angry, so I went out and bought this uh, lint free thing
0: here 's how <laughs> pathetic I am when I got my uh, my big Kubrick uh you know the book deal from uh Tashin from Tashin, I the big, had that too. Yes, that big giant thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I wouldn't open it until I had gone out and I had purchased some of those uh, those cotton gloves that people use when they handle photographs. <laughs> I went a couple, I want. I would only wear those. and I still only wear those when I look at the book. Thank, Thank you, loser. Anyway, uh, Lolita, very decent, but no extras. And uh, I, you know, it, I, I expected better. And I expected better, as well, of Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon is a magnificent film, one of the most beautifully photographed films of all time. Uh, Long overdue on Blu-ray, and for crying out loud, why is this thing just so bare bones? Uh, There's got to be a special edition of Barry Lyndon somewhere in the offing, please. Please do something right with this movie. It is so deserving. It, it won a crapload of Academy Awards. It was nominated for an, even more. I mean, this, this thing was, you know, it won like four Oscars and it was nominated for like six or seven. Come on. Come on,
1: man. I know. I love it. it, it, it it's one of the most beautifully shot films I've ever seen.
0: Give me, give me some extras. Give me some stuff. I, uh, give I agree. me some commentary, something, and do a better transfer. So really.
1: gorgeously shot, and you know what? To not do a good transfer for that film, I mean, it's good. I mean it's that. Fine. I mean that, that. movie was shot in a natural light using like these but crazy like, Zeiss NASA lenses.
0: They invented an f one lens for the movie, so they could shoot by candlelight without any additional lighting. Yeah, that's why nobody in those candlelit scenes actually moves because if they so much as breathe, they're out of focus. <laughs> Seriously, it's insane. It's awesome
1: me
0: a break. <laughs> Ever. Oh, <sighs> uh, you love it.
1: Oh, uh, I'm talking now? <laughs>
0: yes, you are. Yes. No, I'm, I'm done ranting. Sorry. Rant monkey over.
1: Oh, rant monkey. Wait, this is it, Wade. This this is the DVD of the week. I'm sorry. This is the Blu-ray of the week. I'm sorry. Das Boat, Wade. I,
0: I, I agree. This is it. I agree.
1: Finally on Blu-ray, Das Boat. This is uh, Wolfgang Peterson. This is an unbelievably great film. This uh, is the film that made, uh, that made him, that made Peterson, and it also made uh, Jürgen You're Jürgen Proctologist. Yes. <laughs> it was from 1981. It's about a uh, – you want to
0: know what it's about, Wade? It's about uh, a dos.
1: <laughs> no, it's about a boat. It's a bad boat. About a, boat. Um, about a I, U-boat. It's about a U-boat, and it's claustrophobic, and it's, uh, it's tragic, and it's exciting, and it's just great.
0: My only gripe is that this is still the the director's cut, which, by the way, is superior. I love the director's cut. I also love the original miniseries cut, which was the German miniseries that uh, you know spawned the whole thing. Um, But what has not yet been out, and I don't think it was ever out on DVD, and it's still not out on Blu-ray, is the original theatrical cut, which is about two and a half hours long and tight, and which was nominated for seven Academy Awards. And yes, this is better, but... um, I'd kind of like that original historic two-and-a-half-hour cut as well. I I, I feel like that's owed to us. If people see it nominated for seven Academy Awards, well, it wasn't the three-hour-some version that was nominated for seven Academy Awards. It was the two-and-a-half-hour version, and uh, it's kind of like Star Wars. I want that original cut there. It's it's a historical artifact. We are entitled to it.
1: Uh, Special features on this two Blu-ray set include a commentary from uh, Wolfgang Peterson, a bunch of featurettes behind-the-scenes, a vintage one from 1981, and this is just a great, great movie. I just love this film. Uh, this is this – is all the submarine films like you know, Hunt for Red October and uh, you know, and U-571, all those submarine movies, they all owe a debt to Dazbo. It is I, so good.
0: I agree. They are fantastic. Uh, I'm going to diverge for just a second and mention a couple of Fossbinder films that are new on DVD from Olive. Now, Olive Films, remember, is digging up a lot of really cool stuff, and uh, they are bringing out a lot of obscure classics that just nobody else has found. One of them is Despair, uh, one of the few English-language films that uh, Rainer Werner Fassbender made, starring Dirk Bogard, based on a novel by none other than Vladimir Nabokov, the same guy who wrote Lolita. And uh, you know who adapted this, Mark? This is from 1978. Who adapted this? Um, uh, Seth Rogen. Tom Stoppard. Wow. I mean, Tom Stoppard adapting Nabokov, directed by Fassbender, starring Dirk Bogard. Why? Why would you? Why would anybody bury
1: this film? This is unbelievable. This is be, weird. Be, because all all five of those names, the average person has yeah. never heard of.
0: It. Well, anyway, it's set in uh, it's set in uh, against the uh, the early Nazi period of the 1930s, and uh, Dirk Bogard is this Russian. Who has become kind of a very successful chocolate uh, mogul, and uh, it, it's really interesting because it's a psychological film that gets uh, it, he all. It's 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 super weird. It's like he he thinks he sees his twin, and um, it begins to kind of deeply deeply disturb him, and uh, he goes a little bit cuckoo. Um, it's. It's, an, it's a fascinating film, which our friend Andy Klein recently uh, quoted in an email, and uh, nobody knew what he was talking about in this group email. And uh, then it came out on DVD, and I told him about it, and he thought it was some kind of a weird... It's like almost starting, like he's starting to relive the movie. And then we also have another Fassbinder film uh, from Olive, which is I Only Want You to Love Me. This is adapted from a uh, book called Life Sentence. And it's... Um, it, it, it's it's a surprisingly tame film from Fassbender. I've got to say, this is about a uh, about a guy who you know is just gotten married and he's uh, he's sort of trying to put his life back together again, and uh, everything kind of collapses on him again. And I again don't want to give too many details away, but it's very it I, it, it has certain parallels to Fassbender's life that. Um, are a little disturbing and the crime aspect of the film is uh, more than a little disturbing but uh, it it, it has that same gritty realism that you find in some films like uh, Marriage of Maria Braun and a few of his other movies so anyway both of these movies uh, photographed by the way by uh, Michael Ballhaus the uh, great German cinematographer who came of age with Fassminder Films and wound up winning an Oscar for none other than Goodfellas that is true and his son Florian does tons of Hollywood movies these days
1: the apple does not fall far from the Ballhaus oh there you go that's Means nothing. That's very. That's beautiful. Uh, speaking of beautiful, we have a criterion this week. Way, every criterion is a cause for celebration. Yes, they are. Is a cause for celebration. This week we have uh, Nicholas Rogue's insignificance. Now this is from uh, 1985, uh, and um, this is a strange little film. In this film, this film uh, is based on a play, and it posits what would happen. If Marilyn Monroe, Albert Einstein, Joe DiMaggio, and Joe McCarthy wind up in the same hotel room in New York City and just talked it out for the night.
0: Oh, they do more than talk.
1: Now, in, 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 in the film, they're, they're not named you know, yeah. DiMaggio, Monroe. They're like the professor, the actress, yeah. the senator, and the baseball player. Uh, but what's terrific about the film, and it's a film that really can only be directed by someone like Nicholas Roeg. Uh,
0: this is, was at the Cannes Film Festival, and by the way, in 1980 when I was uh, in France. Is that right? My first year in France. Uh,
1: the French loved it, right? Yeah, they did.
0: They did. It was, it was a huge hit.
1: Well, what's interesting about the film is that it is throughout the course of the film, these four people start digging into each other's insecurities and there's lots of conversations and you start to get a sense of the nature of celebrity. So there's a lot more going on than just this high concept meeting between you know Monroe, DiMaggio, McCarthy, and Einstein. Uh, it's a terrific film. It's definitely a bit of an experiment, but check out this cast. Mm-hmm. Pre Nut Job Gary Busey, yeah, as DiMaggio. Yeah, Tony Curtis as McCarthy, and yeah. Tony Curtis is way out there in this film. He, he he's is. way he's, he's, he goes way out there. He's really great. Uh, Michael Emile uh, plays Einstein, uh, whoever he is. Yeah, um, and Teresa Russell. Yes. Who was Nicholas Rogue's wife, wife yes. and was only like twenty six years old when this film came out, she and, plays Monroe. And she's
0: she I have to at say At the she, height of her beauty. At the height of her beauty, and she's a she's a great Monroe, but she's a little more dangerous than Monroe was. You know, Monroe never conveyed danger on screen. If anything, no. she was just she was a, a, a you know, a bunny. She was just so cute and so innocent and vulnerable. And there's something very dangerous about Teresa Russell that I found very appealing in the film. The, uh, I think this may be Nick Rogue's best film, or at least right alongside Walkabout. It's, it's awfully close. Ma- better than Manafell to Earth, I think.
1: You know, think. It, there's a bunch of. You know, uh, Criterion's been very good to Nicholas Rogue and vice versa, because you've got. Yeah. Uh, Walkabout? Walkabout. You've got Manafell to Earth. Yep. Uh, I don't know if performance is a criterion.
0: It is. Is it a criterion? I think so, yeah. Uh,
1: so there's good stuff. Um, anyway, uh, extras include a um, video interview with Rogue and Thomas. A Making of, uh, The Theatrical Trailer, and, of course, The Booklet. Good stuff. Insignificance. Nicholas Rowe. Check it out.
0: Fantastic. And i uh, going to blow through a bunch of MGM catalog titles here. Uh, MGM and Fox have blown out a bunch of things that should have been on Blu-ray ages ago, and they are now finally on Blu-ray. A little bit like the, uh, the, the Miramax uh, t- catalog titles we talked about a second ago. At long last, The Adventures of Priscilla Queen of the Desert. One of my favorite films. I saw this at Cannes, as long as we're on a little Cannes party here. I saw this at Cannes in '93. Uh, '93, when there were we two. We'll to get
1: to those. Yeah, we will. Okay, fine.
0: That's, that's where we're going to wrap it up. Okay. Yeah, '93, um, uh, We uh, uh, there, there were two films at the Cannes Film Festival, both of them Australian. Uh, and both of them uh, using copious amounts of ABBA music in the soundtrack. There was something in the air with Australians and ABBA. The other one, of course, was Muriel's Wedding, which was nonstop ABBA. And then you had all kinds of great ABBA tunes in uh, The Adventures of Priscilla, uh, Queen of the Desert, as well. And uh, direct I saw this at a midnight show at Cannes. It was great. Stephen Elliott was there with the, you know, the, the transvestites that the movie was based on. It was a big show. Stephen Elliott, of course, is a director, a great director, terrific director, who survived a near-death uh, skiing accident a few years back, and came back with a vengeance. He does a great audio commentary. Uh, He's a really irreverent guy and I I love his audio commentaries. Uh, You you can't get better than that. Transfer is it's acceptable. It's acceptable. It's not bad. Not great. Death at a Funeral, the original British Death at a Funeral which includes a performance uh, to absolutely freaking die for from Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk as the, uh, the... He
1: played the part that the guy from X-Men played, James Marsden Correct. Played. And Marsden doesn't even come close. Alan Tudyk is so freaking
0: hilariously funny in this thing, you will just absolutely wet yourself. It's unbelievable. Uh, directed by Frank Oz, which uh, it was nice to see him uh, really come back and, and nail one again. So, Death at a Funeral, uh, definitely recommended. Posse, uh, you know what, what can I say? It's uh, It's... it's, it's you know it's a western with black guys that's the whole point of this the untold story of the wild west and uh, i salute mario van peebles for actually putting his putting himself out there and getting this made because it's not this is not glory this is not you know a reverential historical thing this is just flat out fun and he just said i'm gonna make an action film i'm gonna make a western and i'm gonna cast just black guys in it and you know what i i, I don't care if tone Loke can't can't act i'm gonna put him in a movie And you know what? I don't care if Big Daddy Kane can't act. I'm going to put him in a movie. And, you know, you got a few token white guys in here like Stephen Baldwin and Richard Grant. But uh, otherwise, it's great. Tiny Lister with those freaky eyes of his, always fun. Yeah, why not? Posse, get some. Original Sin with Antonia Banderas and Angelina Jolie. Uh, You know what? I don't care that it's not a good Blu-ray. The only reason to see this is this has some of the steamiest uh, sex scenes with these two you will ever see in a movie. The rest of the movie, who cares? Really?
1: Yeah, she can't do that stuff anymore. She's too uh, legit.
0: Yeah, no, no. But this, oh my gosh. I just don't, I don't know how they wound up getting an R-rated version, R-rated anything out of this. But wow. Yeah. Jeez. Um, A uh, a surprisingly good Blu-ray transfer, considering that these others all seem to have kind of been phoned in, is uh, New York, New York, the great Martin Scorsese film, which has been the subject of so many troubled uh, cuts and histories over the years. I love this movie. I do, I admit it. I De Niro totally plays love it. the sax. I love it. I freaking love this movie. De Niro, Liza Minnelli. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. And uh, I don't care how troubled it is. I think it's great. Uh, definitely has some great extras on here. There's a commentary on some scenes by Laszlo Kovacs and a commentary on all scenes with uh, Martin Scorsese and film critic Carrie Rickey. And it's just terrific. Uh, got some deleted scenes, a great documentary, a uh, little thing with Liza on how much she loves New York. It's great. Absolutely great. The Long Riders is that uh, very peculiar Walter Hill directed Western that, that just basically said anybody in Hollywood who has a brother, you're going to play brothers in our Western about the, uh, you know, the Jesse James and uh, the, the James and what was the other uh, – the James and uh, the other gang.
1: The, uh, the Jesse James gang.
0: No, there's, there's the two. They're all the brothers. They're all brothers. And he's the Walter brothers. The i
1: brothers. Younger. The younger, younger gang. So the James, the James and
0: brothers the, and the younger brothers. Right. right. And he just said, we're going to get everybody who has a brother. They're gonna, you're going to play brothers. Uh, the, life, the historical brothers in the movies. So you wind up with Dennis and Randy Quaid, Stacy and James Keach, uh, Christopher and Nicholas Guest, Keith, Robert, and David Carradine. Uh, great gimmick. And you know what? It actually works because they're all good. Uh, and Walter Hill pulls it out man. Walter
1: Hill he's cool he just
0: pulls it out 48 so hours it's not a great transfer not a great blu-ray it's serviceable but it, you won't be disappointed uh, Hair uh, you know what can I say this movie is just a misbegotten weird thing from awesome. top to bottom Milos awesome. Foreman never should have made this it's a good blu-ray Tree uh, Williams I guess long beautiful hair sure
1: you know this, Milos Foreman directing Hair is Such the same as City Lamette directing The Wiz except
0: that thing I know right exactly yeah. How did like, that, that happen? I don't know. I don't know how it happened. But that movie came out at least 10 years too late. It just did. Well, and,
1: well. the thing is that there's, there was a revival of Hair on Broadway yeah. uh, recently. I know. That was very well received. So hares was sort of back in the news. Yeah, well.
0: And then the last of the catalog titles, Vera Cruz with Gary Cooper and Burt Lancaster, a, a very old Gary Cooper, and a uh, Burt Lancaster, who's just a little bit miscast. But... Otherwise, a perfectly acceptable Robert Aldrich western, uh, but you know, it it just don't expect greatness out of this. It's uh, it's decent. It's an okay uh, Blu-ray transfer. They kind of phoned it in, but they don't make any big mistakes. I was looking for a lot of digital artifacting in it because I'd heard some nasty rumors, and it's fine. Uh, Mark, let's uh, yeah, knock knock that out, and then uh, we'll go through. the Wait, how
1: long is this show going to be, Wade? Another eight minutes Oh, <laughs> well, but who's counting? I guess wait. Is it um, is From 1976 we have The Outlaw Josie Wales This is uh, directed by Clint Eastwood And it uh, also, you know was actually um, You know who, who was involved in the creation of this too? Is Philip Kaufman uh, He took a stab at the screenplay That's right, I knew that and uh, it's with Clint Eastwood and Sandra Locke. Now, Sandra Locke was... Uh, yeah, Clint
0: Eastwood squeezed for a while.
1: For a while, and I think it, that ended very, very badly. Yeah. Um, Clint plays a uh, Missouri farmer who uh, joins the Confederates, and he winds up on the run from Union soldiers. And, uh, you know, is this one of the better Clint Eastwood films? Meh. Uh, it's
0: one of those... Um, it's one of those that kind of has a, has a reputation.
1: Well, it's also one of those Warner Brothers... Uh, Digibook. I don't know what, they call, what do they call them. Digibook things. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Blu-ray book. Uh,
1: it's, a, it's a Blu-ray book, so yeah. it includes uh, commentary which, by Richard Schickel, uh grumble, new feature, grumble, 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 grumble. a new featurette called Cleanus Was West," and a couple of vintage featurettes, which are always cool. And uh, Calenus is as uh, taciturn and uh, you know gun-toting as he always is. Yeah. That's why we love him. Yeah. Uh, the film's okay.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, a couple of Harry Potter films.
1: No, no, no. These aren't just like Blu-rays. These are like encyclopedias. Yeah, this
0: is Ultimate Blu-ray Edition for uh, Harry Potter uh, 5, Year 5, Part 5 Evolution is on this as well, uh, which is a documentary that kind of has to correspond to everything. This is Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, and then there is uh, also Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which is uh, Year 6 in this whole thing and has the... uh, part six of their World of Harry Potter uh, documentary, Magical Effects. Now, here's the deal, five and six. If you have the other four that have preceded this, you know what to expect. A giant, huge, freaking book and uh, character cards and lenticulars, and I think there's even a small car in each of these. It's just, these things are not like encyclopedias. They pack way too much junk into here. They're strictly for Harry Potter fanatics. But I'll say this about them. Uh, Despite the fact that I feel that it's just loaded with gimmickry, man, these transfers are good. They really are. They I, are I gorgeous. Just, I don't know why every Blu-ray can't look as good as these things look. It is, it's just miraculous how, how good they are. Um, they, they, they just pull, the, they pull out all the stops to make these things look phenomenal. There is nothing you can say bad about any of these Harry Potter Blu-ray transfers, not in audio, not in visuals. This is a reference standard stuff. Just show off your, uh, your system with them. Just go crazy. Go Wait, absolutely also,
1: crazy. Don't forget, Wade. What? Are we, we really buried a lot of big films to the end of the show. We want to make people listen. But they, they can just scrub through it. It doesn't I matter guess. when we talk about it. This is I 2011. Guess. It's not TV. Oh, my God. Battle of Los Angeles uh, is a film that Wade and I saw together. And, um, you, you, know, you,
0: you said the greatest thing about this, which was it was like watching somebody else play a video game.
1: Yeah, really. And that was it. Done. Yeah. You know, it's one of those films that is – it's with Aaron Eckhart and its it is – It's really just a platoon film, except the platoon is uh, trying to uh, fight aliens. I know. And, you know, it's uh, loud, and it's uh, cacophonous, and there's a lot of action, and in the end, it's over, and you're like, I don't know what that was. I mean, come on, folks. I know. I I just didn't like this film. And you can tell that they wanted they were hoping for a sequel like Battle New York no. Battle Miami Battle Chicago yeah. I think it's going to stop with Battle Los Angeles
0: it's going to stop and it's funny too because it, it, it really should be Battle LA as in Battle Louisiana because the whole thing was shot in Shreveport and uh, we noticed that at a certain point when Andy Klein who lives in Santa Monica turns over to us and he goes You know, they say that they're on Lincoln Boulevard. I I live three blocks from Lincoln. I don't recognize anything around where they say they are. (laughs) And that's when it kind of occurred to everybody that, like, oh, my gosh, yeah, this isn't in Los Angeles. I haven't seen a single landmark.
1: Yeah, uh, we have a a DVD Blu-ray combo pack. Uh, Exclusives include uh, a couple of featurettes. Uh, Very nice picture, no doubt about it. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, you know what? Uh, this This is strictly Saturday night blockbuster night viewing. I wouldn't touch this with my own wallet. Uh,
0: Red Riding Hood, the alternate cut. Forget about it. Uh, you know, Catherine Hardwick had a great career starting with 13. And and then she just became one of these, she became like Penelope Spheris. She sold out and just started doing all of these weird commercial films like Twilight.
1: Well, the thing is is that is that the thing with Twilight is that you can tell how little Faith Summit had in Twilight in the beginning because they hired her. Yeah.
0: And, in the end, and then she fired was, her.
1: And she was so horrible at the action. Yeah, you know, I'm fine with the kid stuff, but so horrible with the action Dreadful. that they just had to fire her for the next ones. Well,
0: anyway, Red Riding Hood. It's you know the idea being that what if the wolf was a werewolf? It kind of wants to to piggyback on the whole Twilight thing without being a Twilight film. And as much as I love Amanda Seyfried as Little Red Riding Hood, it's just it doesn't feel right. Uh, Gary Oldman's in this, and it. It's just an alternate cut, regular cut. It doesn't matter. You can't save this film. It just does not work in any way whatsoever. It's a, it's a, it's a mess, And uh, especially on Blu-ray and this Blu-ray DVD digital copy combo. Not worth it. Maybe a rental just to see what it's all about. Uh, let's see. Two more titles. Hall Pass. Gosh, this is a dumb movie. I love Jason Sudeikis. I'm increasingly annoyed by Owen Wilson, though, oh, I, uh, I, uh, though uh, Owen I like Wilson. him in, in Woody Allen's film. That, that's a, F- that's Paris, kind
1: yeah. of a career best for him. And by the yeah. way, h- may I just say that Hall Pass was written by somebody who I used to be his boss. I know. It, Pete what? Jones. I was Pete Jones' boss. Yeah, but the uh,
0: two guys, they get a Hall Pass. Look, they get a Hall Pass for uh, from marriage. Wow, big deal. It's like it's, it's such an obvious gimmick. And uh, the Farrelly's, the extended cut. Do we really need an extended cut of this? Oh, Hall Pass, enlarged edition. Ha, ha, ha. The Farrellys are uh, uh, so overrated. I just don't think they really know how to make money, make movies. It's not, uh, they know how to make money, but they don't know how to make movies. It's just not funny. It ain't funny, man. It's not funny. Yeah. Blue, Blu-ray, DVD combo, not funny.
1: Yeah, Pete Jones, uh, I wish him nothing but the best. He's a, he's a super guy, and I enjoyed working with him. And he was on The Tonight Show when he won um, uh, Project Greenlight, and we were so thrilled for him. And you know what? He had kind of uh, disappeared a little bit until he got the writer credit for this. And hopefully, this, even though the film kind of underperformed, hopefully Pete will
0: yeah, emerge
1: well. with a newfound energy to get his career back on track.
0: And we want to send you five Blu-rays of uh, Kill the Irishman. So go ahead and uh, hit us with an email saying "Irish" in the subject, and uh, we will do make sure we get them by Friday. And we will uh, do a random drawing, and five lucky people will get that Blu-ray.